Aloha and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Got Your Six podcast. This six-question podcast brings together high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas, delivered in an informative and, most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. I don't know what you've been told. The views we have are all our own. Yes, we serve the DOD. But my opinions come from me. Yeah, I got your six, we got your back. I got your six, we got your back. I got your six, we got your back. I got your six. Sixers, absolute incredible episode today. We are joined by Josh Bowen, who is a United States Army officer, educator, and leadership coach. Josh is the director and founder of 3x5 Leadership, a platform that provides free leadership coaching for anyone with an emerging or expanding leadership role in their lives through resources such as webinars, newsletters, and articles. He is passionate about writing and making people and organizations better through education and leadership development. Josh frequently writes articles and shares posts about servant leadership, leading through uncertain times, and the power of empathy. 3x5 Leadership is not only a passion of Josh's, but it's named after his favorite tool of choice, the 3x5 Index Card. The 3x5 Index Card also serves as a reflection tool as Josh uses it to identify, process, and share lessons he's learned throughout his career and life. And as we get into the episode, Josh talks about how he firmly believes everyone is entitled to outstanding leadership. Josh also says better leaders make better organizations, which ultimately makes better lives. Josh obtained his civil engineering degree from United States Military Academy in 2010 and was commissioned as an engineer officer, where he's been serving the last 11 years. He also holds a master's degree in engineering management from the University of Colorado and a master's degree in social organizational psychology from Columbia University. Josh, so excited to have you on the show today. Tony, great to catch up with you, man. You said we've known each other for a long time, but it's uh, it's been a while too. So I really appreciate you connecting, and uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, I've been I've been wanting to do this one for a minute, and I finally just pulled the trigger. So currently serving, been doing that since you graduated West Point. Is there something along the way that you like? You know, you constantly look to implement that you've taken away from the military. One that might be. Not a common answer is I get up at like 4 a.m. more, way more often than I don't. So yeah, I, I wouldn't say I do it every single day, but I would probably say almost every single day of the week or many days of the week, I'm up at usually 4 a.m. And I think that's just a personal mechanism for me to remain productive. There's a lot of things I like to do uh, for, we'll say, personal hobby. And so it's balancing family quality time, which is absolutely important to me um, with my wife and my daughter. Uh, and our soon to be second um, kid. So I was like, I enjoy distance running and that can be hours and hours and hours uh, throughout the week and especially in the weekends. And then also uh, time for writing, maintaining the, my own website, as well as just time for reading, all my additional learning, reflecting and trying to do it while full, having a full-time job. So I just, in terms of trying to find time for a lot of the things that I value and want to pour myself into, I tend to get up at 4 a.m., use that time for, for some productive time before I start PT and like that. And uh, I think that usually helps me stay on top of things and really just kind of maintain and tackle a lot of my priorities. 
And that's something very key that I, I really want to highlight is you make sure that you take care of your stuff at a time that's not only convenient for you, but it's when you can be absolutely productive and you don't have to worry about a lot of the other things and obstacles that can present themselves in life. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've, I've also learned that um, I'd say maybe my most creative writing time tends to be really early too. And it's just, it's it's a nice, quiet atmosphere to be able to try to to take care of some of those, we'll say like creative work stuff um, before the, the, the craziness of the day starts and everybody else is awake too and stuff. So yeah. So creative work, again, something else I want to talk about is it's like going to the gym, right? Like you get more creative with writing and reading and reflecting the more you do it, right? The more reps you, you do, the better you get at it. Was that something you took away from like a book or a course or something along the way? Or where do you think that came from? Writing, I I'd actually say it's I wouldn't say it's a book. I probably just a learned habit from other people, and I'd say I probably presume a lot of your listeners and especially the military folks probably spent or have heard over their times in service and stuff of just the value of writing and a lot of maybe like leaders and senior leaders saying like, hey, you need to write and all and read and write. And so I think I think it's easily encouraged, but I don't think a lot of people do a good job of following up. Like, Hey, how do we do this? And and what are some good ways to do that? And so for me personally, I actually kind of learned this just from, I'll say a mentor of mine, who's uh, Joe Byerly. And he's the guy who created the, um, from the green notebook blog, a previous guest on this, on this show. Yeah. We had just the great fortune of, um, serving together in the same unit back in Colorado. And we just started connecting to that. And I was introduced to his content. I just, I, I think I read his entire website in like two weeks and I just kept thinking, I was like, this is, this is impactful. And this is really stuff that I've been looking for, for a long time up to in my career up to that point. And I just, that's when I felt, I was like, you know, I, I think I could do this too. Not in terms of like, I build my own website and build up. It was more of like, I think I have things that I need to process in order to clarify and I can be more effective in implementing it in my leadership and stuff. So that's kind of really what it's when you talk about creative work, why I write is actually it's, it's for me because uh, it's a it's a primary mechanism for me to reflect and ultimately gain clarity about what I'm learning, what I'm experiencing, and then getting into the so what now what of okay, so how is this impacting my my leadership and kind of just what's important to me moving forward. Right. I mean, as you say, right, better leaders make better organizations, which ultimately make better lives. And that comes through reflection, right? I think it's an important aspect of it. Um, And I think it's also, I think it's one of the most overlooked aspects of, we'll say, our our sustained development as leaders. Not to get like very like theoretical or academic here in this conversation by any (laughs) means, but um, I mean, there's a lot of research that just leads, like there's there's some very common leader development activities that help contribute to these things. And the biggest of them is probably experiences, but like we all have that. And we we have these important developmental experiences very often, and especially in the military when it's very, you're moving on to the next job pretty much as soon as you've mastered that job. I think the experiences piece is very easy for us. Um, there's also another component, which is like new knowledge or just learning new things and you're learning new ways of thinking. Um, and so a lot of time, again, back in the military, for yours and my example, the army will send us out to the, to the force to work for a couple of years. And then when we need to, we'll go back to the institutional side and learn how to be a captain, be a major, whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah, we get a lot of the 
new knowledge stuff, whether it's army and institutional specific or our own learning, like again, like reading books or online learning, or even doing things like, like this, listening to a podcast. This other weird abstract one is the reflection piece. And I don't think people dive into this as much because really what all of our conversations or our exploration of, of reflection just leave end with like, Hey, you need to go reflect on, or Hey, when you're reflecting on things, think about whatever. And I don't know about you, but it's taken me all, the better part of my 11 years in the army at this point to, to figure out what that actually means because up to the recently it's okay. So what is reflection? Do I need to go sit in a dark room and like close my eyes and kind of hump, whatever. Do I need to play like tranquil music in the background? I don't know. So what's reflection? Well, no, it's, there's actually a lot of different activities that it could be. And just like many other things, they're, they're probably going to be pretty unique between individuals. So how Tony, you reflect versus how I reflect is probably different. That's okay. But we need to spend some time exploring those best ways, maybe doing some research on some common ways. So like I go back to, to my own website, man, like it's, it's, I, I enjoy the opportunity to add value to other people 100%, but it's actually probably my primary reflection tool for me personally. Because if I got a, if I'm, if I'm learning or experience something, hey, I need to make sense of this. I'm going to try to put it on paper, and I'm going to try to clarify it so that somebody else besides me can maybe even understand it and learn something from it. And then personally, I just, for me putting it out there on the, the interwebs um, at large is just a, a good mechanism for accountability for me to remain accountable to those things that I'm learning and to integrate them to my behaviors or attitudes and stuff. So, so writing is actually a huge reflection tool for me. But so is running. I talked about distance running earlier. Some people yeah, can't stand the idea. And that's fine. When I, I enjoy the act of running and, and fitness that's tied to it, probably like running is reflective for me. There's a lot of unstructured thinking that goes on during that time for me and putting things together. And I mean, even just was it Saturday, last Saturday, I'm on my long run and like I had to stop less than a couple miles on the run because like I I got some ideas and I'm like typing into my, on my phone on the, uh, the notes app, just cause like I, I, I am processing and I got to capture it before I lose it. So anyway, uh, there's a lot of different activities that can help us achieve this nebulous concept of reflection. I think it's just, it's worth people doing some exploration to figure out what those are. Journaling is big for people. There's like structured journaling where you can follow prompts and stuff, or just blank piece of paper, dear diary, this is what's on my mind. So the reflection, I think, is, a, is a, an important one that's critical for our development, not sufficiently addressed, I think, for most of our experiences um, in the military, especially. And there's a lot you touched upon, but what I kind of want to focus in on is through reflection, we find like efficiencies, like we might be going on a path, we're going towards a goal, but it isn't actually the goal we really want. So we start, you know, pulling in new skills and habits and abilities and there's talents we want to learn. Is there something through reflection recently that you've really kind of latched onto or you're working on that you wouldn't have gotten to otherwise? Yeah. Um, so again, talking about like reflection activities, I think another one that it's kind of a balance of like reflection and new learning of new things and stuff. I think uh, mentorship is actually a good activity that brings both of those together. And I have a mentor of mine who has really challenged me in a lot of ways recently, but one, um, especially this past, we'll say year is he's saying, Hey, hey Josh, like, when are you going to go beyond just blog writing? And what he's getting at for me was, okay, so what else you had, you're learning things through this and stuff. Are there other ways that you can be adding value to, we'll say our, our profession or our community or your audience, whatever it is. And so while 
I enjoy trying to add value in people's giving new ideas to people through the blog and stuff like that. Um, basically what my mentor was trying to encourage me to, I was like, hey, are you going to do writing? Or are you going to write to potentially get published in some way? Cause now what you're looking at is, are you going to write to maybe introduce new concepts, new ideas to help drive, we'll say institutional or large change. And so again, I, I don't want to get like overly academic here in the conversation, but that's I think something that's, I, that's, that's what I'm been challenged with this past year is getting out of my comfort zone of blog, we'll say article writing, and actually trying to get into the space of like, we'll say professional writing, where I'm actually trying to get something like peer reviewed and published in a magazine journal, whatever that is. And it's very uncomfortable for me because I just have this mental block of that. I, I, I'm not somebody that is worthy of having ideas that could be shared at that, at that level. So I think it's a it's a huge activity of vulnerability for me to try to put myself out there and, and try it, which is critical. But also, it's forcing me to think about bigger ideas that could help maybe potentially lead to change, whether it's, again, within units or our army at large and stuff like that. So that's actually what I've learned this past year and what I'm spending this upcoming year trying to focus on in terms of my own development. I'm working towards some things to actually write and look to get published and stuff like that. And it's again, it's not to add stuff to my resume by any means. It's, I think it'll help me be a better communicator moving forward too. And just um, improving my writing skills. And I think just rounding out my, my overall leadership in the, uh, we'll say more at the organizational level and how am I achieving influence indirectly in other ways that they can really add value to our, to our organizations. Not only is that a noble endeavor, but it's just like when you start running or working out or writing, right? Like, one sentence at a time, you're still continuing to like constantly keep the fundamentals, not only in mind, but they need to be constant. But as you get comfortable, you need to get to a place where you're uncomfortable in order to grow even more. Having just served at West Point uh, before this, um, spent some time with the, the the men's wrestling team there. All the tactical officers had to go practice with him one morning and it was probably one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. But <laughs> Yeah, their coach just kind of given his very inspirational opening speech to us and then kind of closing at the end is just talking about this idea. Anyway, I'm about to share it, but I used this so many times with, with cadets there at West Point and I just use it for myself now, but talking what you're or getting to what you're talking about, Tony, it's like, I mean, we got to live in the peripheral of our comfort zone. If you are not living on the peripheral of that comfort zone, you're not pushing those boundaries. Um, so what am I doing to start touching and pushing towards those peripherals to expand that comfort zone. But ultimately it just goes back to, I think the very simple cliche of uh, there's no growth in the comfort zone and no comfort in the growth zone. So I love that. No, that, that is, that is something you put up on the wall that you always look for. Like when you need to like, you put your hands on your face and you're like, what am I doing? You stare at something like that. And it's like, I'm exactly where I need to be. There's been a lot of change in your life over the last five years, I mean, like you said, you, you were teaching at West Point as essentially an advisor to cadets, um, as well as like a disciplinarian. There's there's a lot that goes into being a tactical officer within a company at West Point. But I really want to kind of hone in on, I know we talked about pushing, living in that like that line, that border area. Would you say like there's another belief or is that it or behavior or habit that's really improved your life in those last five years? I'm going to try the word perspective. I've learned this from bosses and leaders that I've served under previously. And it's just been something that has resonated with me over the last couple of years. 
And it's something that I'm always trying to learn more about and try to do better in my own leadership and, and behaviors and stuff. But it's how am I communicating perspective to other people? Right. I don't want to get too, um, too focused on a specific, like yours in my relationship, but I know you and I just had the opportunity to listen to a, an army senior leader a couple of days ago. And he opened his briefing, his lecture to us saying, I fight for the, op-. he's like, what is it? I say, I, I fight for every opportunity for perspective, um, to communicate perspective. And I, that's just, I was hooked with the rest of his lecture after that, but I don't really have a, maybe a great answer. And I think it's maybe it's just the nature of, I'm still trying to learn more about it, but it's this idea of how am I as a leader trying to com- effectively communicate perspective to those on my team, maybe up, down or across to help them better understand who we are, what we do, why we do it. And finally realizing that all of that is actually pretty important. And I think, again, for many of the military listeners here um, on the podcast, I think a lot of us can look back at our early experiences in the military and just we're spending so much of our time and effort doing things because we're told to be to do them versus, I, I guess it is really kind of very going back to the cliche, like communicating the why, but it's it's helping people understand there is a very large puzzle that is our environment and our organization and what we're doing. And I am, but just a little piece of that entire puzzle. How am I having a greater and broader appreciation for the, the puzzle at large and my, what the importance of my little role in that is understanding that there's other, many other pieces to that puzzle too. And so I think it's just, if you're helping people see and helping them make sense of things um, and being able to communicate effectively, I think that's really important as well. And so again, I, I don't know if I'm, it's necessarily a great answer I've given Tony, but like I said, I think nature of I'm still learning more about it, but that's something I'm always intrigued to try to learn more about, um, practice, listen to other leaders and how they try to communicate and the ways that they do that, um, reading and all that kind of stuff. So I, that's where I'm at with that one. Um, I, I hope that makes sense. It's a fantastic takeaway because you're talking about a senior leader at one of the highest levels of the greatest or military organizations in the world. And they're able to look at that and be like, I'm still working on this, right? So it's not very, something, you, you know, like it's just, you're constantly going towards it. And then, like you said, perspective and um, reflection go, you know, they go hand in hand, right? Because we can always look back on failure and be like, oh my goodness, look at where I was. So speaking of which, you know, where have you failed that's ultimately led to a great success? So I'm going to... I'm going to give you a political answer and say like all of them, right? But I'm going to be more purposeful in saying is I don't think it's one failure that has really defined anything for me or anything like that, or, or has led to ultimate success. I don't, I don't think it's one, but I think it's, again, I, I think we're understanding maybe the theme for a lot of our conversation is being very deliberate, both in my own personal development and maybe hopefully being deliberate in other people's development, which is an inherent responsibility for leaders, I think. But I think if, I have this very focused orientation towards failure, not obsession with it, but being focused on it and recognizing that it's going to happen, right? It's, I think it's unavoidable for us. And because especially within the military, the rate at which we continue to move up and out and all kinds of things, it's hard to not fail. So it's going to happen. Two is I can, we'll say, just have a lot of shame about it and not own it and just kind of bury it deep down inside or throw it away and never think about it. But like, 
okay, so what's the risk with that? Risk is lost opportunity for learning. And okay, so I'm going to own failure. I'm going to face it again, back to the peripheral of my comfort zone. I'm going to, I'm going to confront this and figure out what, why, how, what's going on next, all these kinds of things. So that's being deliberate in my own development. So I'm not making the same mistake twice or failing in the same area twice. It goes back to perspective though, too, Tony is I think through failures and being purposeful and learning from them and owning them and stuff, I, I can maintain a broad perspective where I don't have to put on some sort of face or front or whatever it is of like, Hey, I am this perfect military leader. Or I'm this perfect officer and do everything that I've done to achieve success. It's like, no, look, let, let's be real. Let, let's, let's have an honest, vulnerable conversation about what it's taken me to get here and how it's possible for you to not follow in my footsteps, but achieve your own path and failing is okay. And now you're cultivating things like positive working environments and learning environments and all these kind of things, which are necessary for being an adaptive and agile organization. But anyway, that's a whole different conversation. So I think it's perspective, but then you back to our conversation about um, my time as a tactical officer at West Point before this, it just created so many teaching opportunities with cadets. We'll just say junior leaders at that at broadly. I was astonished and how often and how easily I was able to like look cadets, but we'll just say broadly junior leaders, look them in the eye and be like, Hey, let me tell you a story real quick. And you're able to just create an impactful learning moment by not just like shoving ideas or forcing your agenda on people. But like, you know what? I, I don't have all the answers, but I got an experience that I think can maybe resonate with you. And I think it's just the idea of storytelling makes it more compelling too. But my failures have helped other people learn lessons earlier in their career than it took me to learn myself. And also hopefully I'm letting them not have to learn the hard way too. So, but I mean, so with the perspective piece, like I, I mean, if going to maybe hopefully answering your actual question of like maybe actual failures, um, like I applied for some nominative jobs at West Point in the last year of my career. And like, I didn't get picked for any of them. And it was disappointing and everything, but through that, it's just learning again the perspective. At the end of the day, it's not about what job I'm doing. It's just how well I do it. At the end of the day, I'm around soldiers. That's all I care about. And if I didn't get that job, okay. And then helping me be a teacher. Like I, one of the last things I did before I left West Point was I created this video to help create this program for a bunch of the kids in our regiment. But uh, I told a story about how I like tried to forge certificates on some like online training I had to do as a lieutenant and like straight up failure in character and like lying and intending to deceive and all these kind of things. And I was able to tell them that, that whole story and how it might seem like really small and insignificant in the moment. But here I am 10 years later from that incident and like it's still something that stands with me and resonates with me. And I'm using that as a learning experience of like even small things like this can have huge violations or reveal huge violations of character. This matters and again, hopefully through my story, I've got lieutenants who are making much better decisions um, than I did back then. So I think that answers the question. I hope that helps us think about it. But to wrap that whole failure thing up, the same mentor that I talked about who's pushing me to, to write professionally for publishing stuff has also introduced me to this idea of a failure resume. So I've got my own CV, resume, all that kind of stuff for networking or whatever it is. Actually, it was just like, two weeks ago, I actually created my own failure resume. So like I formatted it as a professional resume and it looks pretty cool. 
uh, like an actual resume, but it lists out all of my failures professionally up to this point. And so like when it starts off with like education, instead of listing grad degree, whatever it is, like it lists out, did not get accepted to the United States Air Force Academy in 2006. And for jobs, instead of, it doesn't list my actual jobs I've had. It says jobs that I applied for that I didn't get company XO and superintendent's aide at West Point and commandant's XO at West Point, stuff like that. And so he just goes, goes through like normal categories of a resume, but it's, it's everything I failed at. And you know what? Like that document is probably one of the coolest things I think I've ever made for myself. Because uh, again, it helps perspective, helps with humility, ownership, and all. And ultimately, you know what? Like maybe these can be some great teaching tools for people in the future. I have never heard of a failure resume. I'm curious though what you put down for interest on a failure like failed things that you tried that you didn't do? Well, there was like the awards section. So like awards that I either was like in competition for whatever didn't get. But when it comes to like interests or like, like, like I, I say, I listed it maybe as like personal activities or personal endeavors and stuff. But I, I got some, maybe not so much professional stuff, but things that are important to me that I've not done well. And it's like roles as a husband and a father and how I've sometimes can demonstrate, we'll say workaholic tendencies sometimes, or I get wrapped up in work and need to need to be productive. And I've let that impact my relationships at home um, or failed relationships in the past or any stuff like that. So um, outside of the professional stuff, I usually oriented around areas of that. I, I that are very important to me. So it's just like running and fitness or writing. I've got a section for like published articles and I don't have anything that's been rejected yet. Cause I haven't really tried much, but I, I have right in there as a placeholder. I says none dot, dot, dot yet, but I'm attempting two articles in 2021. So we'll see how it goes. So with that document in hand, you're able to see on paper where you failed. And you also have another document that says where you've done very well and succeeded. How do you use both documents going forward to be better than yesterday? I mean, I think first and foremost, is like, it's just a huge humility aspect. Um, I don't want to say I've done phenomenally great things or achieved success that other people should envy by any means. And I seriously mean that, but I mean, when you look at anybody's resume, it's very easy to maybe start getting very impressed with that person and, and stuff. And so for me, at least it's very helpful with reflection, helpful with perspective and helpful with maintaining humility, understanding that it's generally a dumpster fire to get to any level of success anyway. And so let's just be real about it. I also like it because it helped and we'll get to the ownership piece or talk to the ownership piece of it too, which I've already mentioned a lot, but I think it helps me just be willing to be vulnerable and own these kind of things about my life and who I am and all of the, the trail of tears of failures I've gotten in my past. And like, Hey, this is who I am. This is also my baggage. Um, and I'm going to put myself out there in confidence. And even if rejected personally, professionally, whatever it is, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be okay because I've been okay for the last 11 years of this failure resume. And what's to show that I'm not going to be okay in the next 11 or whatever it is. So I think some of those aspects are, are, are good, but I think you take the failure piece of the conversation. So Tony, we'll take the reflection piece that we talked about a little bit earlier too. I think ultimately it's just how am I better than yesterday? And I, I think it's really defined maybe my, my commitment to, and Maybe constant cycle of just learning and reflecting that keeps me all those things. It keeps me humble. It keeps me curious, me inspired. And it's a way to maintain a growth mindset, which I think is a very common word for a lot of us, but it's a word popularized by um, Carol Dweck and her book uh, mindset, which is like, I, I, 
I'm not good enough where I'm at, or I'm not set where I'm at. And I don't have all, I don't know all the things that I need to know in life. And I'm always going to continue to learn and get better until the day I die, lifelong pursuit. And so again, the ownership piece makes me own my own growth and development, which I want to sustain and maintain, but it also helps me finally, and ultimately just not be a victim of my circumstance, which is a huge thing for me. And this idea of perspective too. Early, early, early in my career as a young lieutenant, I, I was professionally emotional because I was I felt like I was a victim of my circumstance because I didn't have a lot of officers, particularly, but leaders above me that were like pouring into my development and help, being very purposeful and growing and developing me like I thought I needed. And then since then, I've just learned that it's just kind of the nature of, of a very high op tempo working environment, all kind of stuff. That's okay. But I also learned through all that, and nobody's going to care about my development more than me. And I can't just sit here and wait for somebody to Hey Josh, we're gonna I'm gonna grow and develop you in this way, and we need to focus on. I'm not getting that, and very few of us probably do very consistently at to a high degree or high quality degree. So at the end of the day, all of this together just helps me not be a victim of my circumstance. And even if I'm not getting poured into from other people or my environment at the time, I got a lot of things that I continue to do day in and day out on a weekly, daily, whatever basis that helps me can sustain my growth and my development and my learning and my reflection so that I can be more impactful and effective as a leader, more clear um, and committed to what I believe and why I believe it and what I'm thinking and all those things. Hopefully at the end of the day, just what I feel like I'm called to do is just make people and organizations better through leader development. Josh willing to bet on himself and always know going into it, he is going to put more work in than what you're asking for others. And that's a huge huge point that I think is often missed in mentorship. It's like, Hey, I need this mentor to make me better, but it's really just somebody that's going to help me like keep me a little bit more like focus in, but ultimately all the work is going to come from me. It's just like a business, right? Like you, you own a business and people are like, no one puts in more work than me. But like, yeah, because you own the business. Like you're the one with the vision. You're the one that needs to be able to lead by example. Josh, where do people go to find you? Go ahead. You can go to the website, it's 3x5leadership.com, which is 3x5leadership.com. Um, and it's really not about me by any means, It's, it's just, but it's a, what I feel is a pretty helpful hub of resources. So predominantly articles, but there's also some videos recorded, like webinars and stuff you can get. I've got a whole bookshelf on there if you're like interested in reading for your own development, especially like leader development. I got a whole, we call it a bookshelf, but it's a pretty robust set of resources for you to learn how to read better and what to read and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's the website. If you're interested in me, you can go to my link tree. So it's like linktr.ee slash Joshua Bowen. Um, and from there, you can kind of learn, read this, the, the CV and all that kind of stuff. But um, otherwise, yeah, I'm on social media. You can go to on Twitter. It's uh, Joshua Bowen underscore 100. Those are probably some good places to go. I am on LinkedIn if you search Josh Bowen too. So I'd love to connect with anybody that does want to talk. Thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing, you know, really about leadership development, why you're so passionate about it and how you've kind of come along into it and where you're going to go into the future. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And always, thanks for having our six. Tony, I appreciate the opportunity, brother. I continue to learn from you as well uh, as a fellow, we'll just say content creator, um, but also just person who's purposeful about growing and learning and stuff too. So Uh, Love the opportunity. Love talking with you. And uh, just, yeah, appreciate the opportunity.
I don't know what you've been told, Sixers, but the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.